Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everybody. We're up and running. It's Longhorn Confidential time. Coming to you live on a Monday here from the Centennial Room at Belmont Hall on the University of Texas campus. The reason I give you that big, long windup is because I don't know what else we're going to fill up the time with talking about Texas football. Bevos are four and five after the trip to the heart, America's heartland. Did not go so well. Texas was up 7-3, but you probably know how it ended by this point. 30-7 to seven, uh, against Iowa State. 27 unanswered points uh, given up by the Longhorns in a second-half performance that was – it was tough, tough to watch, tough to be there. But I will say this, Iowa State fans had a grand old time booing the horns out of the stadium. They were SMU hateful. Kids. They were hateful. Very hateful. Very hateful. Uh, but before we get to, you know, talking about everything else, we, we need to start with the news of the day. Steve Sarkeesian announced during his press conference that Joshua Moore, uh, the receiver, uh, has uh, left the team and will go into the transfer portal. This after last week uh, having a, kind of an on-field uh, verbal altercation. You know, they probably got into a yelling match, really. Uh, out on the field. Josh had uh, a big 24-yard catch against Iowa State, but today he's in the portal. Guys, what do you think? What does this mean for uh, both Josh and the Horns? Uh, uh, you, you guys know the swinging gate formation, right, with the extra point? And, yes. You know, well, we may be fixing to see a swinging gate with this program. I mean, I, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but – you know, what did Charlie Strong, what, 10 players, 11 players left after that first year with Charlie Strong? And uh, given that Texas is four and five and no guarantee of a bowl game, there may be uh, that gate maybe swinging both ways. I'll just say this. The portal has its good points and its bad points. But if, if every player leaves after something, after dust up with a coach, not going to have any teams left. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not saying that Josh's uh, situation was different than someone else's, but it's an option that's out there, but uh, I, just, I, just hate, I just hate to see these guys leave. Weird timing too. Yeah. Because you could have put some good film on, on tape this weekend against Kansas, but he, he did sit the first quarter and I've, and we probably should ask um, Sark if that was punitive because it sure felt that way. I think we know the answer to that. We don't need to ask questions. We already know the answer to. Um, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world for Texas. Um, I don't think it's worst thing in the world for Joshua Moore. You know, Texas is four and five. This isn't an eight and one team that's fighting for a big 12 title and this loss is starting receiver. At some point, this Texas team is going to need to start evaluating the younger receivers on its roster. The Casey Canes, the Calvante Dixons, the, um, the younger guys and see if they fit in this program going forward, because I don't think Joshua Moore had a future at Texas. I think regardless of what happened, you know, his time, his time here is probably going to come to an end. And whether it's him going pro or whether it's him, you know, finding a different school. And I, I think it was time. I, you know, he obviously had his struggles um, this past, these past couple of weeks. It just, his return did not work out the way he wanted it to work out. And I think it's better for all parties. Uh, the playing time opens up for Texas. And I'll say the same thing. If Texas makes the bowl games and some of the prospects decide to, 
you know, move on and start preparing for the draft. You know, opening up reps is not the worst thing in the world, especially for a team that's not contending for a, a championship. And, you know, it doesn't seem like the players that we talked to are that all that upset about it. They all wish Josh luck and we're ready to kind of move on with the guys that they have on the team. And let's see if those those kids, the freshmen and you know, the sophomores can, uh, you know, do something with this playing time because we need to see if those kids have a future at Texas because Joshua Moore did not. And I wonder if draft. time was what already draft? up for grabs. You know? What draft? <laughs> Military? <laughs> oh, my gosh. But, you know, as far as playing time up for grabs, it, it's, it probably has been and should have been all season long because their passing game pretty much sucked, you know. And, you know, they've had Xavier Worthy and not much else. And uh, we're still waiting for Marcus Washington to explode big time. Apparently, Jordan Whittington was the MVP of this team because once he left the Oklahoma game, it hadn't been the same uh, in the passing department. Well, it hasn't. Well, as Moro Ojimo correctly pointed out today, it hasn't been the same since uh, 2010 around here. That, I thought that was a nice, uh, nice callback from him <laughs> today. Uh, one other little tidbit of uh, that you know a lot of fans would be interested to know: uh, Sarkeesian uh, would not name a starting quarterback today uh, for the Kansas game. Both Casey Thompson and Hudson Carter are probably going to have to earn it this week in practice. Sark did uh, kind of hint at that the thumb injury was bothering Casey a little bit uh, in the first quarter. Maybe that is what prompted the switch, but I think going two for six for two yards is is probably what also prompted the switch. Uh, three, three and outs after the Bijan fumble on the game's second play of the game. What do you, th- what do you guys think about the quarterback situation? Um, uh, I not surprising. Um, I think it's going to be whoever practices the best. I know Kirk tried to get Derek Kerstetter to tell him if, if Casey practiced today, and he obviously didn't, even though Derek was like, well, I don't know if I need to tell you that. Uh, I, think, I think Casey's hurting, even though after the game, Sarkeesian said it wasn't a physical thing. He told me that. So, um you know, Monday for college players is like Wednesday for NFL players. A guy don't practice on Monday. It's not as big a deal. He's not practicing on Thursday. Big deal. So um, it wouldn't surprise me if he st- stuck with, with Hudson Card, even though Hudson didn't really do a whole lot. Um, what can you do behind this line? That's, that's, that's the problem. It would be nice if he could put a whole new line in there, but he can't. Yeah, I kind of see it the same way. Uh, you know, uh, Hudson Card had – what a game and a half, a uh, game in three quarters starting the year. And then Casey's had, uh, what, six starts since then with mixed results. They've looked really, really good, albeit against teams like Rice and Texas Tech. And, and he hadn't looked that good. He looked great in the first half against Oklahoma. He looked like a friggin' All-American in that first half against Oklahoma. And ever since, he hasn't been as good. So whether that's injuries – or lack of receiving core, or a bad offensive line, and throwing under duress—it's probably a little bit of all of that. But he—he he might be thinking, "Well, let me give Hudson Card three starts here at the end," because I think right now he doesn't know who the hell his quarterback's going to be next September. Maybe, maybe not even Saturday. I agree. It kind of goes back to what I was saying about the receivers. At some point, you start—you start looking to the future and seeing what you have. You know, you know what you have with, with Casey, who will be a would be a redshirt senior next year. You don't know what you have with Hudson Card. And I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world to play him against a Kansas team that I think most of us will be picking Texas this week, kind of get some confidence under him, 
Brian, you're not picking Kansas. Let's 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 not let's not let's not act. And then um, you never know with him. Test him in a, a good road environment. Get another good road start, and then see if you know is the future on your team, or do you need to start thinking about Malik Murphy? Do you need to start thinking about the transfer portal and see if there's a grad transfer or an underclassman who who can run this offense? And I, I think you just kind of need need to see what you have with Hudson Card, and you can't do that if he's you know on the sideline. Um, you know, I, you can do it in practice, but I think uh, game reps is a little bit more important um, with Hudson going forward. That's just kind of my opinion on it. Let's let's talk about the future. And, and when I mean the future in this scenario, I mean basically the next basically two months, right? I, I wanted to touch on this topic because I think it was so important because Steve made a, made a very specific point about this. Uh, the Josh Moore incident, if you want to call it that last week, uh, brought up this idea of how hard are these players being coached and can they take coaching? You know, Sark made a point today of saying that the staff is demanding, but not demeaning. And that's clearly his way of telegraphing to the locker room. You know, we're going to, we're going to hold players accountable and, you know, we, we can get into this whole off topic thing about players being soft and culture and all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. But the fact is, you know, the coaches are supposed to be hard and the players are supposed to be tough to take it. And, I wonder if that's his way of saying, you know, the room needs to toughen up with, with this staff. Probably is. Hey, I believe so. Yeah, I think so. And you, you, you can only coach a guy as hard as he wants to be coach. Um, and it's a fine line. It's not like there's two guys in there. You got a hundred, hundred guys in there and everybody's wired differently. Some guys are, you know, some guys you catch flies with honey. Some guys, you need to kick them in the butt and tell them, let's go. But but it all depends on the player. And those, those special coaches are the ones that can walk that fine line and figure out uh, which which group can I coach hard, which group can I I have to baby a little bit to get the best. Because the, the, the goal of the whole thing is to maximize your potential as a player. And and he, he iterated that. And so for me, I, I think it's a tough undertaking for him because I think, you know, I asked Moro Ojimo this. I go, oh, who's the a-hole in that locker room? He goes, oh, maybe, maybe we need one. So He didn't know. That was he telling. Didn't he didn't know. He didn't know, so that was telling. Every team needs one or several. You know, we always go back to Quandre Diggs. You know, need some dogs. You, you got some – you got to have some players that just – it doesn't hurt them to lose. It kills them to lose. They don't want to get out of bed. You got, remember Roy Miller? Remember Roy Miller? Yeah. From Celine? Roy Miller walks in and goes, if y'all don't get maximum effort, I'm going to fight anybody, everybody in here. Yeah. I mean, four of his teammates told me that. And all four goes, I wanted no part of Roy Miller. Absolutely. So I went in there and I busted my butt in that game, and we won by three touchdowns. So I don't know that they have a Roy Miller. Well, and said, and said you asked Sark about who are the leaders, and he mentions Roshan Johnson, who's not even a starter. To me, that's a problem. It's like he is a leader, and I think he commands respect uh, from the coaching staff in the locker room. I don't think there's any question about that. We in the media you know, like him and respect him. But you need some guys that are out there every down to be your true leaders, I think, if you're really going to you know, maximize your potential. And I don't know if they have it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think every player um, gets in, takes instructions differently. I don't think it's a one size fit all. I think every you can say that the way about the way people raise their kids. I think you can say it about the way the four of us are edited. I mean, I think you know you can't edit us all the the same way. We all take criticism and 
constructions differently. And also this is 2021. I mean, the Roy Miller story is also is nice, but Roy's my age, you know, it, kids this now are, they play differently. We have NIL, we have, it's a different, it's a different ball game. And there's a new coaching staff. Um, I'm not sure that, you know, any of these kids necessarily wanted to be come off as the a-hole while they're trying to, fe- you know, feel out, feel out a different coaching staff and, you know, figure, figure their stuff out. So I don't know. I mean, I don't, I, I don't necessarily know if um, having the a-hole would make this season any different. It's a lot easier to be the a-hole in the locker room when your team's winning and you're having, you know, success, success on the field. And it's a lot easier to kind of get those ducks in a row, but I, I don't know. I, you know, I've never bought the, there's one way to coach or one way to parent or one way to edit. Every, every kid's different. Um, obviously Joshua Moore struggled a little bit with, uh, with, with, with that t- tough coaching. If we are to believe that's the reason he was, um, you know, uh, upset, but um, I don't know. Sorry. I'm rambling. My wife always gets on me about that and she's going to get on me when she listens to this podcast. So I'm sorry, honey. I'm going to get, she's not listening. She listens every, she's the one person that gets to these videos. She, she listens every, every week. And trust me, she has, she has, I do know for how, how I do. She did tell me that when we were talking about the eyes of Texas, that when I say, when Tom, when uh, Brian goes, well, you got to ask Thomas and, and Jack, what do they think about the eyes? They go, eh, it's more about Laquan and Tayshawn and Thomas and Jack. So <laughs> Chaz right. was listening that day. So shout out to Chaz on that. Well, one. And, and even Chastity knows the best player on this team is Bijan Robinson. He's as far from that description you said as any, any player is. He's and sweet. He's a sweet he's kid. Have the respect of every player and coach in the locker room. Uh, if 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 he doesn't, you know, those people should be gone because. You know, I don't know if he's ever raised his voice, and he's 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 the consummate leader by example. But you touched on one thing, Danny. It's like because I think the old school people, as old as me or even older, are going these damn millennials. They just ruining sports and everything. Well, it's so much more than that because people are different. Kerstetter talked about people come from different backgrounds, and you mentioned NIL, and then there's the transfer portal. So you have to treat players differently then maybe Woody Hayes or, or Frank Cush, you know, treated these athletes. They may not like it. They wish it was back in the 50s and 60s, but you can't do that anymore. Jimmy Lake from Washington is in trouble now for pushing one of his players on the sideline during a game. So you do that now. You pushed him? Oh, my God. Yeah. I know, he right? pushed a football player. Yeah, he, actually probably, he probably raised his voice, too. Well, I don't know if he went that far. All right, well, Kirk. I want. I want to, I, before we before we get out of here, I want. To, I want to tell you. So the three of us, uh, we, uh, Danny and Seth and I, we go to Ames, and both going and coming, we we are with fans, and the fans that we had a chance to talk to, uh, it's the frustration was palpable. It was undeniable, and all of the tone of the questions, at least with the three of us, it was you know what's wrong with the team. And I guess I guess what I would say to fans is that you know the players and the coach. I mean, everybody is is. Uh, I can tell you from from dealing with people here, they are just as frustrated uh, about all this as fans are. There's there's no doubt about that. Now, what's the answer to the questions? You know that that, that it's it's really hard to put your finger on. But uh, but I let's say today talk about this. But just the f- fans, we hear you and and we know y'all are frustrated too. Shout out to the Des Moines downtown Marriott. They took care of us. 
Uh, I had a lot of conversations in that place with fans, UT fans who spend their hard earned money to travel, follow this team around the country. And they're hurt. They're mad and they're disappointed. And, and it's, and it's, and it's something that only a few wins can, can help a big win over Kansas. They're still going to be hurt, but they're going to have hope that you can make it to a bowl game. They can't, they can't, they, they can't defecate the bed Saturday against Kansas. If they can't, do that, can't they? They can't. That's what bedpans are for. But, you they know. can't do that. They're going to have to coagulate their feces, win this game, and then split <sighs> the next two. Where's our sensor? Uh, I'm speaking English. I'm yes. speaking English. I have not used any profanity. Not the King's English. So, I'm speaking English. They've got to they've got to figure out a way to take care of business Saturday, and then I would advise them to yeah, go up to West Virginia. When West Virginia got shut down at home by Oklahoma State, so it's not out of the realm of reality that this team could do the same. But we'll beat Kansas first, and then and then we'll we'll see about uh, consoling these fans who are broken, Daniel. You know who else is broken? Um, people who follow us on Twitter and were uh, dismayed. Um, Kirk, I don't know if you saw the backlash, but I've never seen uh, such upset fans, not on Saturday, but actually on Friday night when we decided to post, uh, speaking of feces, the barbecue that we had in <laughs> Des Moines, Iowa. And, I missed uh, it. I missed it. Uh, <laughs> I'm clutching my pearls. Feces. I'm oh, clutching yeah, my yeah. pearls. Wait a minute. Was it worse than Lincoln Riley's barbecue? We're not I, out. I, I, I don't know, but some Texans were awfully offended that we, we are we not out barbecue. to get Yes. We're <laughs> not out to get any kind of local chain from, from Ames, Iowa, that sells barbecue Jethro's. We're not out to get you guys. It wasn't a good night at the office. That's all we'll say. Oh my God. I don't the even know. The blacks this week. The, the case was also struggling. The case was struggling as well. That's all Brian Davis. It's all on Brian Davis. It should be. It should be. So. The next time, oh, no, whoever we end up in Mexico, he's going to take us to a Chinese restaurant. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. <laughs> all I know is the guy who said on Twitter, Where are y'all at? Chick fil A. <laughs> we wish. <laughs> Oh, goodness. I know what I'm getting from Chick fil A. Oh Man, I missed out big time, obviously. You missed well, listen, it. We're gonna, you listen, didn't miss it. You didn't. Well, listen, it. we're going to make up for it. Uh, Gannett can edit this out, but just don't edit our expense account. We'll make up for it in Pittsburgh. No question on the, on the trip to West Virginia. But mm-hmm. go online, look at the barbecue picks, argue about our barbecue, argue about Texas. It's all here. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, go find us on Twitter. Find us definitely at hook'em.com and statesman.com. And we're going to wrap it up for today. For Kirk, Sid, and Danny, I'm Brian. We'll talk to you Thursday.